Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. To protect his family from disaster, Steve used his camera phone. Done. By taking pictures of his important documents, Steve can always have them stored online. Learn more simple disaster prep tips at ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Getting support from friends online kept me on track. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk. I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything. Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke. I went to places that were smoke-free. I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried. I kept on trying, and I learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it. So can you. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the Studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is here, although you washed your car yesterday and said that it was frozen this morning. Gee, a shocking uh, turn of events there. Well, you know, what's amazing, Tom, and, and hello, everybody. It's, it's, it's actually kind of nice to be back in the studio. Um, I was going to try it from up north, but uh, the water froze up up there. Maybe that should have been an indicator. <laughs> you know, so I don't have any water at Muck Muck anymore, so at least until uh, you know spring comes. But So I get up this morning, I start my car. I'm like, well, it looks like it snowed a little bit, so I'll let the car run. So I let the car run. I got a car wash yesterday. Went up north, came back, and the door wouldn't open. I'm like, oh, crap. So I had to let's sit there. Finally got the door open, get inside, and uh, the windshield's frozen shut. Of course, being the prepared person that I am not, I couldn't find an ice scraper. It's like, oh, geez. wait a minute, wait a minute. It just de- kept going. It's December third, and you don't have an ice scraper in your car. Well, I probably do. I just couldn't find it. I, I see. Too much stuff Are you one of those people that has like eight of them in your garage because you never can find it, and so you always buy a new one, and so you have like don't, eight or nine of them? Don't judge. Don't judge, Tom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Say seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five here. If you have a question for Merle regarding your investment portfolio, give us a call here this morning. Um, Let's start by that disclaimer that we run at the beginning of the program talks about FINRA. And uh, maybe you can explain to folks who maybe don't know what that is, why that's important to your uh, the, the investment business. And what, what does FINRA do? Or maybe you don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I just threw that well, one out there. we can actually to... have some fun of this because Bernie Madoff was actually the president of FINRA for a while. So Is that right? Maybe we can tell from is that, yeah, is that yeah, true? Yeah. yeah. So – in our, in our industry, um, what the government tried to do is they tried to make it so the government wasn't regulating everything. So uh, when they the creation of the Securities Exchange Commission, they created what's called an SRO, which stands for a self-regulated organization. So it's regulated. I'm regulated by um, people of my peers. And so they're elected to boards and that kind of stuff to make regulations. Uh, and I think maybe the initial thought of it was that maybe the Securities Exchange Commission isn't in depth with it enough 
to know where somebody's going to screw up or try to cheat or something of that nature. We found that out during the 2008 yeah, well, yeah. and the uh, you know the housing meltdown, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so, so in the middle of all those things, it creates a, a you know FINRA, which used to be called the Nasdaq at one point in time, uh, National Association of Securities Dealers Automated. You know that's quotations online, but it used to be called Nas, uh, Nasdaq, and so they changed the name to FINRA uh, Financial Regulator. Uh, oh, jeez. Financial Industry Regulator uh, Authority. I think it is. Well, they're really happy with me now. So, so anyway, they're the ones who dole out, you know, fines, regulation. You get your license, not have license. What it's going to be on the test? How are the tests going to go? And at large, pretty good organization what they do. So, um, when you say member Finra, that means I'm bound by the rules of Finra. If you in America want to do any trading in the securities industry, you have to have a licensing via Finra. And the Securities Exchange Commission gives them that uh, that ruling. Now, what's odd about this now, it's what's happened over the course of the past, oh, maybe half a dozen years or so, is that now the Securities Exchange Commission is starting to get back in and say, well, we're going to create our own rules too. So now we have the Securities Exchange Commission rules, FINRA rules, and now the Department of Labor says, well, you know, maybe we want a piece of this. And so now we're threading through different rules. And, in fact, just this past week I had to take the anti-money laundering uh, course, which you have to do once a year. Are any of the rules contradictory? Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, that makes it fun, oh, I would imagine. Oh, it's great. Um, so so now there's actually three different versions now. You have the Department of Labor. You have um, the, the Financial Crimes uh, Network, um, as well as you have the state all regulating the same types of stuff, all just different parts of the same thing. Why not just create one rule and have it be done? So, so the, the biggest thing that's happened throughout the course of the last number of years has been, and uh, we always hear about this fiduciary rule and all these sort of things. You know, prior to Trump coming into the administration, um, the industry was trying to have it so that just everybody had to have a fiduciary responsibility for the uh, for the their clients. And, and, and that means of, your first uh, loyalty is to your client. You sure, can't do sure. something that is going to hurt your client knowingly. Yeah, and, and Alan and I, for example, have had a, a number of conversations about this because nobody defines what fiduciary responsibility means. Okay, so what are the rules of being a fiduciary? And, and there's no clear-cut rules to this. And, and, and I've used this humor in the past, and I actually used it at a conference, and I said, well, I'm going to ask you this question, and the question I asked was actually to – um, some FINRA attorneys, you know, our corporate attorneys, that kind of stuff. And they said, okay, so here's the question. And now you got to hear to the question, folks, because this will make sense in a few minutes and you're going to scratch your head and say, is Kilt cracking up? But here's the question. It's a true or false question, Tom, and everybody listening. Is prostitution right or wrong? And you're going, what? Well, the, the answer to the question is, is false because it can't be a true statement. Because if I'm asking if prostitution is right or wrong, I'm projecting my morality onto you, and we'd have to agree that that morality is the same. And so these are the same types of questions that they're saying what a fiduciary rule is. And so as a result of that, nobody had an answer for anything. And so when I asked them that question, it was I said, this is the same thing you're projecting on us as advisors. And I would guess that almost all of us sitting inside of the room, and there were about 300 of us in the room, are already doing the best thing we can possibly do with our clients to make sure our clients are good because the clients are our livelihood as well. And so that big conversation went on. So the Trump administration went through and said, well, you know, if we look at how they're doing the fiduciary rule and what they want to do, is it going to create some sort of a, um, um, an adverse effect or expense to not only the advisor but then to the, the clients as well? And they kind of said, yeah. Well, the industry kind of came back then, uh, FINRA, with a rule they call Reg BI. And Reg BI um, stands for best interest. So we have to do everything that's in the best interest of our clients. It's essentially – still the fiduciary rule for all practical purposes 
And about the best thing we could find right now is that FINRA is saying we're doing the best thing for our clients right now today. Well, it's the same thing we've had called suitability rules in years past, but just more in depth now today. And they're now calling it the fiduciary rule as you're going to continue to keep doing the best thing for the client uh, inevitably out into the future. Well, again, in this industry, you know, I've been in it for 30 years, folks. Um, you know, I want to make sure that uh, that Tom and Bob and Larry and Mary and, and, and every are going to be good for their lifetime. And I continue to keep doing the best thing that I can do um, because they're good, then we're good, and it works out for everybody. Um, but now the industry is putting regulation to that. So now you have um, FINRA saying we have Reg BI. We have the yeah, Department of Labor saying, well, we want a fiduciary role, and Securities Exchange Commission is coming in, in the middle of that too. I'm going to say that Wisconsin and most states are coming and say, well, you know, we kind of have our own rules too. And so now we in our industry are going absolutely bleeding nuts trying to keep well, that, all this stuff straight now. You know, when we have Alan on, he always talks about how Wisconsin is sort of an island when it comes to some of the estate planning rules. Um, yeah, and yeah. Is that the same for the investment rules? Is Wisconsin different than other states? I mean, could you go and do what you do in other states? And can people who would do this, what you do in, say, Missouri or Arizona or Alabama come here and, and operate? Oh, sure, sure. Um, you know, For example, I'm licensed in 13 states for the security side of the world. I mean, it's relatively new. You get your securities license. Um, uh, you get your securities license through FINRA, um, and then they have what's called a blue sky license, which is your state license. And if you're recognized and you have this blue, it, it works in all the states. You essentially then afterwards have to register within the state that you have. And they have, of course, each state's got their own couple of questions that they have. The insurance industry is a little bit different, though. But um, it is wonderful that if you get an insurance license for, say, uh, health, life, disability, um, uh, here in Wisconsin, um, almost all other states, not everyone, but almost all of the states say, okay, you're good in Wisconsin, we're ready to go. Because our insurance industry and testing and, and that whole bit is so robust in our state, I have to give it that. Um, so so if you're licensed in Wisconsin, you're generally pretty good to go and don't have problems in the, in the rest of the country. Um, some places have gotten a little weird. I, I'm not going to name the, the name of the state, but for God's sakes, you could buy uh, you know, unregulated pharmaceuticals on the corner um, through a pharmacy. That was okay. Um, and you could share back commissions back with an individual, and that was still okay until about four years ago. Now it's one of the hardest states to actually get your license in because you said, well, we changed our mind. And most people are going, what? You know, so uh, it's it's kind of funny in that state uh, how that's changed. You mentioned earlier you had to go to the anti-money laundering class. Uh, so Every I would year. imagine part of being a member of FINRA, part of being a member of these organizations is continuing education. Oh, yeah. uh, what yeah. what are some of the things that you uh, cover when you go to these CI classes? Oh, geez. Um I, I don't know if they're trying to train me how to launder money or how, how to see what it happens. I'm not sure. Because some of the stuff you're looking at and going, really, they're doing that? Um, so anti-money laundering is the biggest thing. Um, um, they're, uh, the biggest thing that's been happening right now, of course, cryptocurrency was part of it. You know, people uh, sliding cryptocurrency back and forth. Um, so, for example, our broker-dealer and most that are out there don't allow us to do cryptocurrencies just because you can't, you can't track them. But the biggest thing that's been happening, Tom, is that, um, and, and we get those solicitations too, but I just ignore them because I don't want to waste time with it. And um, you get a company that says, you know, we got this new stock we think we want to buy, and it's called XYZ, really small company that nobody knows about, and it's uh, 50 cents a share, and we want to buy 10 million shares. Well, most people go, oh, yippee, 10 million shares. This would be a good day. Um, and then they sell it the next day, and then they call back and say, we're going to buy it through one of our companies. Well, um, as you're going through that, it's where some of the biggest money laundering has been happening. People are taking the money and they're buying these shares, and they don't care if they buy or sell money, but they buy or sell it a couple of different times, and it layers it and launders the money as it goes through. And so we have to be, you know, 
cognizant of that, or if a company is coming through and say, well, we have a foreign um, entity in which we want to invest in. So, so those are some of the biggest ones for this year that they were talking about from that standpoint. What I find interesting in this, Tom, is I actually have a client. Well, I had a client. They, they moved their stuff back to Switzerland, um, but they were German, and then he took a job then in Switzerland. Um, and uh, uh, the, 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 the wife of the, the couple is from Wausau. And so, but she, of course, and her husband and family lives over there. So I had all these, I had a foreign account going back and forth. And, and boy, we had all kinds of regulation about that. You have to give us a statement. Says, it's not a problem. It's my statement. It's my account. Said she's from here. You know, we had to go through that stuff. And so eventually we finally said, you know, it's going to make all of our lives easier if we just keep the money over there versus still having an account with me here in Wisconsin. Um, but it was, uh, it was an interesting beast for a while having to do that back and forth with, you know, foreign accounts and FINRA and, and that whole bit. But it's the only foreign one that we've had. We're going to take a break here. We'll but come back with Alabama. That's like a foreign country. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back here on WSAU. We are the NFHS. That stands for the National Federation of State High School Associations. But really, what we stand for, together with the WIAA, are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And, folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. You wanted to talk about one of the other things that uh, the regulatory yeah. agencies that uh, that overlook you have been talking about and are serious about uh, dealing with. And that one of those is uh, the situation with investments for seniors. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things that, that um, we've had, again, and so, folks, we had our, our uh, annual conference coming up. Um, it happened just before the hunting season happened, so. So I really didn't have a chance to chat much about that since we got back. Um, and then it also came up again inside of our CE classes that we had to do last week, and that is uh, investments for seniors. And not necessarily the investments themselves that in, you know clients have to have A or B. It's just that watching for things for seniors. You know, I've seen it a number of times already in my career where you have a, a client, you see them in January and everything's fine, and about the time uh, September comes, um, uh, they're self-identifying as a chicken, you know, and things are going crazy. And I use that as a joke. If any of my clients are listening, they'll laugh because we sent a letter that's been lovingly called the chicken letter, and colleagues of mine have adopted it. And so here's what it is. Um, so, Tom, if you come in and start just, you know, uh, doing some crazy stuff with your investment. Oh, I see what you're sense. talking about. So the people start, you know, dementia starts coming yeah, in and things like that. I got gotcha. you. Okay. All right. So this is really the diminished capacity that we have to start watching for. Um, where a client has been very astute with their investments, and all of a sudden they uh, – I won't talk anymore, but only their kids talk when they come in, and their kids want to start withdrawing all kinds of money. You know, so we have to watch for this stuff. And now the difficulty that comes in in, in the scenarios that are played out is that, um, let's say, Tom, you start doing some really crazy stuff with your investment. You say, I could do whatever I want to because it's mine. And you want to start liquidating assets, and you're going to send it over to uh, uh, some uh, person you met online in, in uh, some foreign country. Well, we have to look at this stuff and say, oh, are they being taken advantage of, you know, senior abuse, all the sort of stuff that comes with it. And so um, I can't call your son and say, hey, um, I think dad's going nuts. He's doing this with his money. He's got this amount of money because I have a – I got to keep your stuff private. So so that's where the, 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 the rules have been changing 
um, to the betterment where we have the ability to call some family members. But the biggest thing that's happening is in almost all forms that we have today, we have what's called trusted contact. <clears throat> so it's it's a trusted contact that you think is a good idea in case you start acting a little bit squirrely or self-identifying as a chicken. We can call and say, you know, Tom's cracking up. Uh, maybe I ought to go over and check on him and see what the, what's going on here. So a lot of this stuff is is covered under um, trust and so forth. And so, um, you know, we it's a conversation that actually they had with us to talk with our uh, um, law firms that we do a lot of work with and trust and so forth uh, to say, hey, can we add something like this inside of a contract or a trust uh, that your advisor has the ability to contact um, your trustees or successor trustees in case something starts happening from a cognitive impairment? Um, and so that's really the biggest thing. And so, folks, regardless of who you use um, as an advisor, talk with that advisor and if they don't have a form or a letter i'll get you the wording for it folks if you need to it's that important to be able to to have you know we had one of our clients one of our longest clients and he's passed away now but um you know probably about two or three months prior to him um, passing um, he wanted to sell a whole bunch of stuff and buy a whole bunch of individual stock for his sisters and and in the middle of so uh, fortunately i knew who the trustee of his trust was and I do got to uh, uh, say salute to Alan because he's the one who set this up. So I contacted his trustee. He was already a client of mine. I knew he was a trustee of the trust. And I said, you know, dad's want to do this. He goes, okay. He said, well, just uh, play it off. He said he'll probably forget about it. And he did eventually. He, you know, forgot that he was doing it and that kind of thing. And, and so we knew some of these things were happening. But I had that already established that I could contact his trustee. So a lot of people don't have that. I mean, if a person doesn't have a trusted contact as an advisor, we just can't call one of the kids and say, hey, this is happening um, because we can't give out that financial. Uh, what if he didn't forget about it and, and you didn't do it? Would you be in some trouble then? No, because I contacted his trustee, you know, who had the power of returning all that sort of stuff inside of his. Oh, trust. OK. All right. Yeah, okay. So uh, without that, it would have been difficult yeah. because now we're sitting there going, oh, man, what do we do? And so the, the, what you have to do then as an advisor on my part of it, if you're a securities registered, and, and, if, and if you're out here and you're, and you're listening, you're not securities registered, but you're an insurance part of the world, boy, do the same thing. Um, contact a supervisor or a compliance professional inside of your firm and say, what do we do? Um, Does that make sense for anybody who's retired, though, to start churning like that, to buy and sell, you know, large amounts of stuff uh, very quickly? I mean, that doesn't make much as, sense as for a, a portfolio. On the client it? side of the world? Yeah. Mean, on the yeah. client? Um, no, that's why it's uh, it's uh, uncustomary. So even if the guy isn't <clears throat> isn't showing signs of of dementia or lost capacity, you would advise them not to do things like that, even if they were. Well, yes. I mean, you you typically go, well, okay, why are you doing this? Um, why is this making sense for you? Ask all the qualifying questions if it seems like it's out of sorts. Um, but at the same time, uh, before you would execute that, um, on our part, we would call somebody in our compliance department saying. This person's doing something that's out of character. Uh, we don't know what it is. The questions are a little bit different. Using uh, the gambling analogy, that's the uh, the dealer going to the pit boss and saying, this guy is putting, you know, $500,000 on the... Uh, on red. Uh, or, or, yeah, or some, some weird bet. Okay. All right. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We're going to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more after this on WSAU. Hi, I'm Lauren. Why was it so difficult to move? Maybe my left side had just fallen asleep. I exercise, I eat healthy. Hi, I'm Adam. At first, I was in denial. My wife, Lauren, was only 30. But I'm familiar with signs of stroke and know symptoms aren't always easy to recognize. I quickly realized that something was very wrong. 
Lauren's speech was slurred and her face was drooping. She was having a stroke and I had to react immediately. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates of Wausau. Phone lines are open if you have a question for Merle. There's an article on MarketWatch today from Mark Hulbert who says that you should be skeptical of the growth story that periodically captures stock investors' attention because the companies that Wall Street believes will grow the fastest in the future rarely live up to the lofty expectations investors put on them. Um, for, I guess the first question is, don't those guys, those masters of the universe on Wall Street, that's how they make their living predicting these things, and yet a lot of their predictions don't come true. Well, if they could make really good predictions, they'd have a swami hat and they'd all be rich and they wouldn't be working on Wall Street anymore. I know? see. Yeah, you know, we, it's interesting in this industry because I have conversations with you know, people who are third-party managers and, and investment managers and all that kind of stuff on a regular basis. And, uh, and it's going to sound terrible about this, but they want me to pay them a 1% fee to you know, manage the clients and do all this sort of stuff because our history has shown this. I said, well, um, that's great that your history has shown this. I said, but it still isn't going to tell me what it's going to do in the future. Everybody hits it right at some particular point in time. It's the long term that you can't do, and and it's so difficult, whether you're the, you know the uh, the the swami of the day or not, to continue to keep making predictions that are going to do well into the future. Um, I find in doing this for thirty years, the things that work is just old fashioned weird stuff. Like, does a company make profit? Yes. Okay. Good. How much profit? Yes. So you can take that money into a model and say. Where do we think the price is going to go if they continue to keep making profit? Strange stuff like that. What for a company like that that you look at first? You look at profit. What they do with that profit—that's an important part of it too, right? Absolutely, it is. Um, I like companies that pay dividends because that means they're making money. You know, so that's the first thing. So I like companies that are making dividends. Not all companies that I like, that I own, that I bought, I buy for clients make by pay dividends. Don't get me wrong, but most of them do. I like it because they're making profit. We've talked about this on the show before. Would you suggest someone who has a portfolio of only companies that pay dividends? Is that something that somebody should look at? There is nothing wrong with that. Um, in fact, I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. Since some companies don't. I mean, some companies you have that are making a lot of money. Uh, they're having a lot of growth. And so the question becomes, as you said, um, what do they do with the profit? So so I love companies that, that are doing something with a profit rather than just wasting it. Um, so if a company's saying, well, I'm just, we're just going to take all our profit and keep buying more st of our own stock or the drop price. And I'm, I'm not a real big fan of that in the sense that I'd rather have them put that in research and development for new products going forward. That makes a lot more sense to me. Than executive bonuses. Well, executive bonuses, <laughs> if I were an executive, it'd be great. Um, you know, so, so I'd rather have it go in that type of direction. That's the stuff I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, for example, um, Elon Musk starts this, this, uh, company called Starlink. And so he's been, uh, you know, just slowly going along the way and, and doing things and now just got an approval to put up 7,500 more satellites inside of the company. And so he's, I don't know that he's making profit yet. He's probably close. But after 7,500 more satellites going up, the array that's going to go across, we will have cell phone everywhere in the country within the course of a number of years. And it's all going to be based upon that. I want that stock because I know it's going to make money. 
I'm betting I'm still going to have a dead spot on my couch, though. <laughs> you may be no. able to get a cell phone to work in the There's... Montana mountains, but I'm going to I'm going to have a dead spot on my couch. I guarantee. That's called a divot in the couch. It's yeah. different than a dead yeah, spot. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things that the story talks about is the difference between value and growth stocks, and right. Hulbert's suggesting that uh, some of the uh, big investors are suggesting that. Um, growth stocks earnings will actually grow faster than value stocks, but he doesn't agree. He says that uh, many times it's the opposite that, is, in fact, is, is what happens. And, and I would agree with him at this point in time. And so, first of all, let's What's the difference between back. the two? Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. step back and, and talk about growth versus value. Uh, the easiest way to look at it is <clears throat> a growth stock is a company who has aligned themselves in such a way that they've set up some sort of a procedure, process, stores, online, whatever it might be, that's going to prolong and give them growth going out into the future. One of the easiest examples of this, folks, um, that I've used this uh, many times, is that um, Walmart, for example, one time wanted to put 10,000 stores inside of China because they thought that was going to be phenomenal for them for future growth. Um, as well, Yum Brands did the same thing with Pepsi and Fritos and all that kind of stuff, too. And you know what? Um, uh, it largely worked out pretty good. I mean, it continued to keep driving that, that uh, profitability going forward. Value, on the other hand, as a stock that somebody thinks is on sale. Maybe it's you and I as the end user. Um, maybe it's the, the industry. Maybe it's uh, uh, somebody else. But somebody thinks that that stock is on sale and its price dropped uh, more than it should be. So when we look at what the stock market has done throughout the course of 22, um, there's I think there's a lot of value that's out there. And we look at the profitability of corporate America, and it's still doing pretty good. Uh, retails are, are dropping a little bit. But largely, corporate America's sales, manufacturing are still doing all right. And uh, with that, with the inflation in the markets this year, there's a lot of stuff that's really a value on sale. And so I think as you're coming into and out of a recessionary event, I think value stocks are the better place to be. Um, I would agree with Halbert. Um, that's how Warren Buffett made his money was in, in value, not in uh, growth. He made his stuff by buying something at a good price that was going to continue to grow over a long period of time into the future. What should folks be looking at now as we go into the final weeks of this year as far as tax ramifications for next year, I know Social Security is coming out with a cost of living adjustment, a pretty good one for retirees starting in 2023. Uh, but what, what do folks look at in the final weeks of the year that they should take uh, take care of with their por portfolio before heading into January? You, you just hit on two different things, so I have to write down a, a note here so I don't forget this one, too. But, you know, last year was horrible for capital gains distribution. It was really bad. And... Um, so with that, we had one of our clients call back and said, what can I do to not have this happen again? So we're doing some work on it. And, and, and importantly with that taxes, you have to watch it. We, don't, we as an industry don't think it's going to be that bad for this year just because so many things are down. And if somebody's selling out of a stock or moving around, it's probably going to be at a loss this year. So we don't think that capital gains tax is going to be that bad. But what has happened here is that with the – um, bringing on of irrevocable trust to help with nursing home costs and controlling that stuff, um, the capital gains tax has popped up into a problem that irrevocable trusts have. Not that irrevocable trusts are bad, and I'm not saying that, folks. But irrevocable trust, you get income in an irrevocable trust if it's a separate account or um, uh, you know tax ID number. You get income of about twelve thousand dollars. That's about ordinary income. But after that, the tax jumps up. I think to I think it's forty two percent. It jumps up. And so now you have to have a way to have that income that the irrevocable trust builds. You either have to be able to control it, reduce it, and last year uh, in 21 exposed a lot of those problems. 
And so my suggestion would be is if you had a lot of taxes, especially through an irrevocable trust, and you had a ton of taxes last year, um, talk with a financial professional about that. There are some ways that you can uh, that you can maneuver and discount and roll them around from one place to another um, as far as different types of investments. I can't get in and give you the specifics and the details at this point in time because I don't have them in front of me, but there's some ways to do it. One of the things we just learned here this uh, past conference um, in, in D.C. in the beginning of, of November. So that's the biggest one. Now, here's something that's interesting. So, And I know she's listening. She's a client of ours, so I'm using it as an example. <clears throat> so her husband, late husband, um, great guy, um, uh, his mom passed away, so he inherited mom's IRA. All good, just fine. So um, now he passes away, so now it goes to his wife, so now she's got mom's IRA. There's so many multiple rules in the middle of here that I actually went to uh, my friend who's an accountant, masters of taxation, really, really smart in taxes, just went through the IRS tax school they had in Green Bay here a few weeks ago. And I said, tell me how the taxes are going to go. She goes, I have no bleeding clue. So the IRS has a, a thing out there that says we're going to fix RMDs next year. Well, good thing. That doesn't help us for this year. You know, the rules used to be that if a person was taking money out of their RMD, um, you could continue taking their money out each year based upon their life expectancy. You could keep taking that money out, or you could do it sooner. But that was the minimum. Well, then it was that if a person was not taking money to the RMD and you were the beneficial uh, person to take it, which means you know usually husband, wife, son, daughter, um, you can take it out, but it's five years. Then it came into the Trump administration. He said, well, you can do it over 10, which is fine. I mean, just less you can take out, better growth with it. Um, well, then the, the rules came back and said, well, no, now it's 72. Okay, so how the rest of them go? So now there's so many rules in the middle of there, folks. Just keep watching. The IRS said they're going to straighten them out in 23, uh, how the new RMD rules are. But the general rule of thumb are this. Take up more than you think you're supposed to, and you're going to be okay. <laughs> Maybe it's better not to have any uh, any money to take out of Then you don't have to worry about any of these weird taxes. Well, rules. you don't have a choice because one of your relatives are going to give it to you. Oh, so. Okay. All right. 715-845-2155, the number to call here. If you have a question for Merle, I'll tell you what, we'll take one more break here and come back with more here on WSAU. The life of every child is precious beyond measure. If you care for a child with a disability and have limited income and resources, help is available. Children with a physical or mental... I noticed uh, beautifully recently is the price of diesel fuel coming down. And, price of uh, all of fuel is coming down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll close yeah. down uh, $3 now and some Madison under $3. Well, it was a $2.99 I saw on the news yeah. this morning. So so I'm really happy we're seeing that price come down. And now one of the reasons I, I, I'm happy about that diesel price coming down and, and fuel prices coming down um, is um, one, it's going to help with the inflationary factor. So I think that's going to start coming into the prices of food um, dropping and different prices, things like that. We're already looking at the M2 money supply and the projections coming up. And by the way, obviously, December 31st is done. So we should see the new M M2 money supply numbers coming out in the course of the next week or so. But we think it continues to come down. Now, why M2 money supply? We've talked about it on here uh, once again, and the father of modern economics, Milton Friedman, says if you want to follow inflation, follow M2 money supply. Um, and, I, and he's right. I mean, we can see it happen when inflation went up, and now we can see it as inflation seems to be coming down here. Um, M2 money supply is, of course, folks, is, is your checkbook, savings accounts, money market accounts, and all the cash that's in circulation. I know, Tom, you've got forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in the tin box in the backyard someplace, and Hopefully your map is good. Forty, fifty dollars. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, I just I'm not really good with zeros. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, um, so so we shouldn't see inflation coming down. Now the other part of this too is that 
Um, folks, my uh, lovely bride, I know she's not listening to the show, so I get to pick her in a little bit. Um, she wants to not have winter. Well, she grew up in a UP. I get it. She's done with winter. So she wants to be a snowbird. Well, you know, I thought, well, it's probably cheaper for us just to take our camper down to Florida and then just set it up down there. And she found a great campsite for about 400 bucks a month, which usually they're 1800 bucks a month for a campsite. So we're like, this is just great. It's, a, you know, 55 plus. I, I meet that number. And she's happy and she likes it and that whole bit. Well, it cost me to go down and back. It cost me over $2,000 in diesel fuel to pull it down there. And so one of the reasons I'm really happy about it is because we're starting to get over the turn of the the, uh, the calendar here to uh, the new year, and it's getting time for me to plan on bringing it back. And so as she's talking to this gal, um, she said, well, I think it's like $300 a year if you just want to keep it here. <laughs> Well, oh, I'm sorry, a, $300 a month. I'm sorry, uh, not a month. Well, even a, that's a, a no-brainer, isn't it? Well, I'm like, yeah, well, we need it there. But the problem with this, Tom, is that now I don't have a camper up here for camping again. So I think my wife wins this whole thing. I buy a new camper because I like it, and I think maybe it'll see it'll work for us in Florida. I take it down to Florida, and if we keep it there, it makes more sense than have the fuel back and forth, but now I have to buy another camper again. Well, you can go back to tent camping like you did when you were a kid. Come on, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I get down on the ground. I'm not getting back up. There's going to have to be a jib crane someplace to pick me up. So all right. Uh, all right. Well, we're, we're running out of time. We still have some time left, though. Um, you talked about inflation. Where Where is the uh, – what's the Fed – they're talking about not uh, not raising interest rates as fast as they did uh, throughout this yeah, past yeah. year. So where's that going for Well, we have a couple of minutes. So let's talk about what's happened here just recently. So um, – so in the, the, the whole scheme of things, um, the industry has kind of said, well, we're going to have inflation. So inflation is going to be here. Is it coming down? And the answer is yes. So hopefully then the whole answer is that inflation is coming down enough for the Federal Reserve to say, well, okay, um, we're starting to have a recessionary event. We're going to spin it now. And the term they're using is pivot today, that we're going to now start lowering interest rates and start driving the markets up and the economy up to get us going back out again. And so that's the whole reason we see this. So when we saw the stock market come out some 750 points last week uh, because Chairman Powell said, hey, um, we don't think we're going to have to increase quite as much coming up in the future because of the things that are happening. Um, the stock market went crazy saying, great, the pivot is near. Not the end, but the pivot. Um, and so then we see the employment numbers come out yesterday where the employment is really strong and numbers and businesses are still hiring saying, oh, no, we're not slowing down as much as we thought. The pivot's not coming this fast. And so we saw the market going back and forth. So we're going to continue to see that battle going back and forth. But the big thing to look at is, is inflation continuing coming down? We'll know those numbers coming up. And I believe the CPI comes out on December 6th. Which is Tuesday. Don't, don't bet me, but I think it comes out on, on December 6th for CPI. And we'll see PPI and M2 money supply and all those numbers start popping out afterwards. And so uh, we'll see the market either happy or sad. And I think it's going to be a real nice happy, if I had to guess. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning and see what's going on. Good morning. Who are we talking to? This is Jim. Jim, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Jim. Yeah, I got, I got two questions. The first one is, what's your opinion about mutual funds, and what is the ta what are the tax consequences that you're in? Okay. Or mutual funds? Yep. Yes. Okay. Mutual funds are fantastic. They allow us to get really good diversification with a few bucks if we need to. We can really get that money spread around. We just have to watch for the taxes. And again, we talked about this earlier, Jim. Uh, last year for a capital gain distribution, 21 was a horrible year. 22, I think, is going to be much better. So a mutual fund, if you, you pay taxes, if the mutual fund goes from 10000 to 20000 you still have to pay taxes on it. 
But the buying and selling that a mutual fund does, you have to pay capital gains taxes on if it's not inside of an IRA account. If it's inside of an IRA, we don't have to worry about it. But if one buys one near year end, don't you pay for the for the gain of, for the entire year? If you bought one in December? No, not quite. Uh, that's kind of a misconception. If it if you bought it in December, you're fine, but you might have to pay capital gains that occurred throughout the course of the year. Um, so if your account went from 10000 to 20000 you didn't sell it, and it happened in one month in December, you're okay. It's just that if there were capital gains from the buying and selling that that mutual fund manager did in January, you might have to pay some of those taxes now. But again, this year, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue. Second question is oil futures. Yep. What? Uh, who handles them? How do you buy them? Or where, how do you trade oil futures? Well, you typically go through a company that specializes in that. Um, you're going to find some sort of options or commodities house that does it. Um, there are reps and, and financial professionals in town that do that sort of thing. Um, I would look at uh, trying to find somebody who does it every single day. Uh, for example, Jim, I'm licensed to do futures contracts, and I won't do them because I don't do them enough uh, to be able to have the familiarity, there's the word I want, uh, for clients. And so I would look at, if you're going to do futures, um, look with somebody who does that sort of stuff every day. You might have to look Thank at you. Okay, hope Thank that you. helps. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I don't think those two guys from uh, trading places are around anymore, <laughs> are they? <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. It's orange juice, wasn't it? Orange juice futures, yes. Mm. All right. The well, Duke brothers. Got it. Yeah. We're, uh, we're just out of, uh, out of time today. Here's a little fun uh, note for you because, uh, of course, Team USA taking on the Netherlands at the World Cup today in a, in a loser-out game. Um, Japan's um, World Cup team made the knockout round, which was a surprise, and apparently – uh, there were a bunch of Japan stocks that went way up after the country's World Cup victory in soccer. So I'm not sure there's any correlation there, but somebody thinks there is because they did a story about it on Market Watch. Well, maybe it was the, the companies that were advertising under jerseys. Who knows? Yeah, that could be. Although it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be on the Major League Umpires uh, shirts this year because you know who was the advertiser on the Major League Umpires shirts last year? Who's this? FTC, the cryptocurrency company that went bankrupt. <laughs> They're going to have to find somebody new, I guess. And why do, you, why do you want to take your final shot at crypto in the couple of minutes we got left of what happened with that and uh, why you stay away from it and all of that? Oh, geez. Well, FTC is, is basically the Bernie Madoff of, of recent times. Um, uh, this kid just you know screwed up and took money. So he's going to jail. I guarantee he's going to go to jail. Um, somebody's going to jail. But again... People continue to keep trying to invest inside of crypto. Folks, again, crypto isn't an investment. It's not an asset. It's nothing that you hold. It's just nothing more than a computer program, and you're betting on the computer program, whatever it's going to be. Um, I think probably playing dice or craps is a better option. You're not going to, you're not going to convince young investors of that, are you? Um, I think I got a couple of uh, kids that are in my uh, family uh, realizing that it's not a real investment. Since they owned it when it was at 60000 and now it's not. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? All right, folks. Monday morning, you can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600 outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100. Or you can find us at 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Stop on in for a cup of coffee or finally give us a call. Um, I'm sorry, or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, my friend. Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau. It's coming up on 9 o'clock. 
We've got the news. The polka shows are on the way. It's Badger men's basketball this afternoon. Big matchup from Pfizer Forum as the Badgers take on Marquette. You can hear that game here, pregame show at 2.30 on WSAU. Medicaid and CHIP offer free or low-cost health coverage for children and teens. Hospital and doctor visits, prescriptions, shots, and more are covered. That's peace of mind for parents if a child is sick or gets injured. And parents may now be eligible for Medicaid, too, even if they've applied in the past. Enrollment is always open. Visit insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. I'm Ryan Seacrest. When you call 911 and ask for help, first responders show up now. Let's show up for the people who show up for us every day and every night. Go to firstrcf.org to learn more. 